Welcome to School of Performance. My name is Sean Ashkenazi, former professional athlete turned high-level performance coach. And each week we'll bring you inspirational guests to help you reach your highest level of performance in your own lives. Thank you for joining us today and let the lesson begin. And we're on. Welcome to School of Performance, episode 24, with the one and only Dimitri Harris. How are you, What's man? What's going on, man? <laughs> it's good to see you, man. It's been a minute. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's been years, bro. Like, beyond, like I always say, beyond, like, this podcast and the value it gives people and, and, and like, all the information that we give out to people, is this is this cool, like, just connecting, man? Because it's been a while. It's been, like, years. And, and we've been yeah. so close throughout my time in Van. And uh, it's good to see you, man. When was that I last saw you? Uh, we were at Victory Square. Yeah, I think my last visit out there, um, I think it was two summers ago, right at the beginning of okay. COVID, and we caught up and yeah, we, hung out in, we hung out in the sunshine a little bit and uh, and caught up. Yeah, it's been a minute, man. Time flies. So I know you, I know you personally, like we've had uh, lots of shared experiences, but I think for those who are, who are joining us now and those that will listen in the future, kind of tell us a little bit about uh, who's Demi. Oh, okay. Well, uh, not too much. Uh, I, I grew up in uh, the east side of Vancouver, the downtown east side. Um, I'm very proud of that. Uh, I went to two very prestigious schools, Kona and Britannia, um, for elementary and high school. I uh, went on to play university at CAP with you. One of my best years. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and then I went on to St. Mary's and played a couple years pro. Um, basketball is my main sport. I have played a couple of other sports in my life, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget, um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm sure we'll do another episode about this because I told you this too, like that whole story of, uh, of coming from East Van and kind of like sort of carrying the city on your back and with yeah. you guys with provincials and all that. I think it's super cool, man. It's, it's like an underexposed story sort of thing. Like I think it's super cool you guys did down there. Uh, with yeah. Steph and with all those guys, like a relatively small school, uh, to make that much noise on like the provincial level is super cool. And what was that? Talk about that, like, sorry, what's that? I didn't catch what you said. I'm um, saying about Brit and how like just such a small school. Yes. I didn't. Uh... <laughs> I forget what on video, bro. I keep thinking we're just on we're just on audio. <laughs> I was showing I was showing him my provincial championship ring, one of my yeah. favorite things I have. For those uh, for those that listen on audio later on, yeah, you'll have to. Uh, the experience will be will be only halfway there for you guys. But yeah. <laughs> show me the bling, show me the ring, yeah, for sure. But that's a cool story, man, and, and we'll touch on that. That's 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 not as much what we're here to talk about today. But thank you. I also I also wanted to say, um, man, you and Leland, the way you guys brought me under your wing and you know introduced me to North Band, I always have you know a special heart in my heart with North Band because of you guys no doubt. and how cool you guys are. Yeah, that was pretty dope. How we just clicked. I man. appreciate that, man. <laughs> know, I'll, I'll tag him on here. We've been in touch too, and Mike Zayans and all those guys. It's oh yeah, just, you know, just staying close, man. It's been years, and um, yeah, like when we came out there, I remember we would we would leave school early. I'll say for all the teachers and educators <laughs> in, the, in the crowd, but um, 
and we would do like major field trips, kind of see all these. That's a, that's a whole nother conversation we could have too. Just seeing like different cultures in different areas in Vancouver because there's so yeah. much to see. Like I remember we would take buses to like Coquitlam and see Ashton, and we would see you guys and Steph yeah. and Willie and, and East Van, and we would see like all these different parts. And it was almost like me and Leyland would would travel like within Greater Vancouver, like what yeah. we experienced later in life throughout the world. We experienced in like grade seven, grade eight throughout Vancouver because there's so yeah. many great parts, man. And I appreciate you too for that, man, because it was good times, man, seeing seeing different cultures and hanging out with different schools and for sure opened our mind up. That was hell of I want to kind of like I want to start up with um like basketball, like um mm-hmm. just kind of reminiscing and like what were some of your favorite experiences on the court, whether it be in high school or college or in the pro level. Um that'd be cool to hear. Uh, definitely, uh, winning is one of my favorite things. So, you know, winning provincials, uh, was pretty mm-hmm. high up there. Um, yeah, definitely winning posters are also my favorite things. Like <laughs> posters that I will always remember dunking on one or two people at the same time was, was some of my favorite memories about basketball. Uh, but definitely mostly, uh, the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just showing up to a court and knowing 10 or 20 guys is it's pretty rare if you think about right. a person you know like they don't know that many people but when you like have close bonds with that many people i think it's right. quite special right i think that's what a lot of people say too when they're towards the end of their careers like that that's what they miss the most like more than we're all super competitive we're all super performance oriented Mm-hmm. And like the winning part is definitely a big chunk of it, but more than anything, like the camaraderie and, and the, yeah. the the social aspect of like being on a squad and hanging out in the locker room. And yeah. I remember like, we're not going to say it on here, but I remember countless times of like the jokes we would have in the locker room at camp. Oh. Like that's just stuff you'll remember for life. You know what I mean? So for sure. it's huge. Yeah. And it, yeah, today, like, I guess we want to touch more about, um, before that, yeah, I'll reminisce a little bit about, um, I think one of my, my first kind of like bigger tournaments in Van after I moved there from Israel was uh, BC Games. I think it was grade seven. Yeah. And that was the first time we kind of accumulated a bunch of players from all these different areas yeah. of Greater Vancouver. And we're all the same squad. I think that's how we met. And Layla was on that team and Chaz was on that team and Ty Nurse. And yeah. if I'm forgetting other guys, um, my bad, but it was, it was a great group of guys like beyond ball is just a great group of personalities and i think that was my first experience because you don't have that in israel right like or maybe on like national teams out here but i wasn't i wasn't here during that age but that was my first experience of like you accumulate all these great players from all these different areas and now you get to connect on that that different level again similar to traveling you get to see all these different people Mm -hmm. coming from different areas of the city and different cultures and different that Definitely. That was super sweet. That was a really cool experience, man. And it kind of goes to show how sports in general and ball goes like beyond the court, right? And we all connected and we all stayed in touch. And I remember all you guys, we would be friends like throughout high school and all that. Yeah, I don't know really if anybody's cool. ever, ever talked to Jeff Lightburn again. But <laughs> if he sees this, man, we still love him. Even <laughs> the performance on the court was, was good. Um, so we're hearing more about the whole COVID stuff and, and I want to hear about your COVID experience and we want to always take it to the place where how it can affect people in a positive way. And kind of, I think we, we all have a lot to learn about how, how to deal with stuff. Like, I don't think it's anything like this has met us throughout, you know, 
our lifetime, especially us, like, yeah. being whatever, 20, 30 years old, like, this pandemic is something that's so new, and it has an effect on so many different aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I know you wanted to open up about that and kind of touch down. I think it's a great subject that could uh, affect yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> no, I definitely, I, I do agree, but I, I do remember one point. I don't know if you guys had the same thing, but we had, like, a job action. Was that? No, I'm not it, sure. It was, like, a, a strike or whatever. I think okay. I think it was grade seven for us, but we weren't allowed to play that year, and that was real no tough. Way. Yeah, that was that was real tough. Your whole season's gone. Like, really? I really, I really feel for the kids that are playing high school right now that lost the whole season. Right with COVID. Your grade twelve year. Oof. Yeah. No, you gotta update me, man. Cause yeah, I, I know what I know a little bit, like from buddies and stuff, about what it's like over there. But yeah, the fact that they lost a season, like I had no idea that it went down to that, and mm-hmm. it's crazy, right? Like to affect the players' mentality and and their love for the game and their habits that they've worked so hard to build up, right? Yeah. So yeah, tell me a little bit about your experience throughout this this past little while. Oh, my experience was pretty tough, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I grew up with you know uh, with amazing athletics in my life my mom was an athlete we were always throwing something baseball basketball football um Mm -hmm. and then in school always about the athletics but uh after when covid happened like i'm not really into jogging bro right what else the gyms are closed you know the pools are closed everything's closed and you got to stay inside that was rough man Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm That that really hit you guys hard, eh? As far as like in Canada with uh, with the what's it called, like the lockdowns. Like you yeah, guys, there's there's nothing open and there's none of that, right? Streets were empty, empty. So how'd you how'd you manage that? What'd you end up doing? What was your what was your schedule like? I did uh, I did Zumba a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I did a lot of chilling, man. There was a mm-hmm. lot of chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what effect did that have on you? What was that like? Uh, at first, I didn't notice any effect. You know, I was catching up on shows. I was playing a lot of games on my phone. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I went over to a friend's house, and uh, she has a she has a scale in her washroom. And I looked mm-hmm. at it. I went outside, and I said, hey. I was like, yo, your scale's broken. What's wrong with this thing? <laughs> this is bogus, bro. What are you talking about? And she's like, no, that's right. And yeah, I gained forty five pounds just under yeah. under the under the under the rug. I don't know what happened. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. And how'd you manage that once you figured once you realized like something is kind of astray here? What was your next step like? Uh it wasn't, you know, straight away. I didn't really react too quickly to it. Um, you know, I had some some pretty bad habits. I was eating, you know, Uber Eats mm-hmm. every, every day, maybe two times, three mm-hmm. times a day, um, sitting around all the day, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it was tough, man. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, just recently, I've finally been getting back into basketball, and uh, nice. And that's been kind of my saving life, pretty much. Where? Yeah. How did you How did you find a, like your environment related to you during that time? Like, what was that like? Like how around you, I guess the people around you. How like if people are trying to motivate you, or did you find that people were maybe a little bit looking at you differently, or 
Oh yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely got comments on my IG, you know, calling me names and stuff. That was yeah. It was it was funny at the time, you know. Uh, I think guys have uh, men usually have a different way of you know communicating when they're bros um, mm-hmm. about issues such as uh, you know being overweight and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the thing is like what, what was going on there how, how did it affect you um i remember i did a a polar bear swim uh for you know how like new year's eve that's freezing water, water right yeah 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 so i posted a video of me jumping in the water it was my first time out in a long time you know um and yeah the comments were brutal it was hilarious yeah, yeah. Mm. I, was I was laughing for sure um but yeah it, it definitely stuck in in my head <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think people kind of, I've experienced it too, like with the podcast or with anything. I think we all have this this spot where if you want to really start uh, running something on social network, like you got to be comfortable with, with what people are going to say. Yeah. Um, and I think people, as, as not as much as uploaders, but more as commenters, mm. have uh, a tendency to kind of think that like whoever they're talking about is like, invincible or he's like this or she or whatever is like this super god or like it's, it's inhumane and nothing affects them and then they allow themselves to write whatever they want yeah. um and it's fine to think about it. i think social like i i do lectures about this to uh to kids and like high schools and then and, and yeah. schools and elementary schools about the effect of social networks and like cyberbullying and all that stuff like i think people forget that there's like a real person on the other side and and it's jokes and you know it's all yeah. that but but and then, the yeah. um, and then there's also the other side where it's like almost impossible to, um, like, get tone out of a comment. You can't, you can't tell someone's yeah. Tone. The you subjectivity can't, of it is, is you can't tell the delivery. Way. You don't know how this is this right. is coming across, right? right? Whether they're being sarcastic, there's no right. Alex for sarcasm or anything like that. I think that's, that's a really good point. <laughs> Like some could write a thing and you don't know how to take it. And now what happens is your subconscious mind, your subjectivity kicks in. Like, what do they mean by that? And you're running it through your head, right? I've, I've definitely caught yeah. myself doing that a bunch of times. Like, yeah. what's the real meaning behind this? Um, I guess, yeah, if we, if we would navigate it to the positive, like maybe what would you have liked to see from people? Or how do you think in that situation people can kind of become more of, of motivators rather than of judges? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't have an answer for that. I, I have mm-hmm. changed my wording as a coach uh, to maybe better set uh, suit everyone instead mm-hmm. of the winners and the losers. I would say mm-hmm. non-winners instead of mm-hmm. loser. loser is a pretty, you know, mm-hmm. it's a put down, right? No one thinks it is, but it kind right. of um, Wording is definitely, like you say, uh, very important. Very important. I think, like you're saying, man, it's so true. I I just read something about this yesterday. I think it was Robin Sharma that was on a on a podcast, and he he talked about it about like the language we use, yeah. and even little things like like let's get this shit done, like. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm killing I'm killing this this garbage or whatever it's like yeah, yeah, relate yeah. to our lives in a certain way like if, if we talk to a kid and we're like you know win or loser 
we may not notice it, but that has an effect. Like every yeah. every word that we use, every piece of language that we use has an effect, right? Like the semantics of things. Yeah. I, I always tell the kids I work with, um, little things make a huge difference. Um, mm -hmm. These little things, these little nuances in language make a big difference. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. I guess if if I was to um, <laughs> like general public announcement. If I was to talk to general public, I think we all would be would benefit from from a place of when we comment or when we mention. Like it's it's fun to have jokes and stuff, but if we came from a place like if we was to see that person in real life, and and what would we tell them? Would we be you know? I mean, I, I think we all got to take that perspective. That's what I always tell the kids I work with is take the perspective of if you were to see this person in real life, like what would you tell him or her? Where yeah. would you take that? Would you be joking like that? Would you leave that subjectivity in there where, where yeah. it even become like offensive or hurtful? Or mm. would you take, you know, kind of responsibility for your words? Or, and would you come from a more motivating place? Because I'll tell you, since since going into this coaching stuff um, and this mental training stuff, I've also seen the positive side of things and and how incredibly uh influential and and motivating people can be in social network as well like is this mm -hmm. what do they choose to right it's yeah it's easy to write a, a crappy comment and put someone mm -hmm. down and maybe it takes a little bit more to uh to bring someone up definitely yeah um I guess the next thing would be like self-doubt like where where's that met you throughout this this whole time or maybe throughout your playing career yeah Oh no, for sure. Taking all that time off, uh, it was it was not easy because you know usually as a as a basketball player you have a standard to keep up to, right? Mm -hmm, um, for sure. You're training every day, if not every other day, working on different parts of your game, trying to get one percent better. Um, right. Then you, you sit out for thirty to sixty days, um, and you come back into a game. It's it's like a whole different. It's a whole different game all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I was I was slower. My touch was way off. It was it was hard. And then coming home and then having to go play again is is very tough, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I got to go through that again. Like I used to be quite good, right? <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Yeah, I, I think it took about you know four or five times playing again to finally get you know back. I'm almost there. Mm -hmm. Still a half a step behind what I what I was before COVID, but yeah, yeah, that was, mm -hmm. uh, that was shocking. Have right. you, found, have you found any, uh, any differences to your, your ideology going in and playing basketball since being uh, a 30 year old? <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with the age or with COVID? Well, with you, know, you know, both, I think they, they come hand in hand. We, we start COVID? time off. COVID was quite interesting because I think I've told a lot of my friends across the water in Canada that it didn't hit us quite as hard out here. Like it hit as far as the numbers, but we relative like life was relatively regular out here. Like yeah. there was a lockdown for maybe a couple weeks and schools were maybe shut down. But other than that, like life continued normal. I think it speaks to the audacity of Israelis to like just go against all the rules and, and kind of wow. do whatever they feel right. Um there's, there's the vaccine, and, and I think like 97% of Israelis is vaccinated, so that helps a lot, you know what I mean? So uh, that everything stayed open. Um, so with COVID, as far as ball, for me, it was more of an experience of, of re rekindling uh, my relationship with myself. Like, it was really difficult at the beginning, but it pushed mm -hmm. me to all this, man. Like, none of this would have happened 
uh, without COVID. I think it, it accelerated a lot of my self-growth to kind of leave a man in a room alone with just a mirror and kind of see what comes out the other side. And, and you can take it one of both ways. And I think gladly, and, and I'm, I'm proud of myself for taking it to that, that growth side rather than there was definitely that, that depression side and that especially being alone out here and, and yeah. my family being in Canada and everything. But I think with all those things, you grow and you become a better person uh, if, you, if you're able to manage it. With ball, um, it's interesting. We talked about a little bit um, how we forget that that we're 30, man. <laughs> and you kind of you keep doing the same things and, and you don't realize, like, why, why am I not getting the same results? Um, so I've definitely changed, like, as far as on the court, I've definitely changed my game up a lot, uh, especially with back injuries. I've had, like, herniated discs and I've had all this stuff. I'm, like, guarding centers and throughout college and, and my first couple of years out here. So... I've definitely changed the way I play. And um, and as far as training, man, I think we could do a whole episode on that. Is just lots of yoga, lots of meditation. I've really noticed, and I told you about this in one of our conversations, it was, it was one of the teams that I played for out here where I, I injured my ankle. I, like, tore ligaments in my ankle, and I kept playing. Like, I didn't even notice it at the yeah. time. I only noticed it in the offseason. And this whole connection between soul and body, like, mm. my soul, like, my – my mental side was super stressed because the team was super stressed. Like it was yeah. one of the worst years where, where crowds was like cussing us out, doing games, like scared to like walk in the tunnel at the end of the game, like stuff like that. It was a rough year, but again, I choose to take it to the place where it made me a bigger man. But yeah. what I learned more than anything during that year is that connection of soul and body where if our soul is kind of, if our energy and, and our, uh, our mindset is kind of off, then it's only a matter of time till we get injured. And that's exactly what happened with my ankle. Um, and I told you, I, I took it, I researched it a little bit. And there's this whole book by uh, Lewis Hay where it connects different uh, physical stuff that we have to different things in our soul. And it gives you kind of mantras mm. to take on and say uh, once a day. And, and it helps resolve a lot of physical issues. And it may sound like far-fetched, but I can personally attest that it helped me with a bunch of injuries. Like back injuries went away, ankle injuries went away. I just had a knee thing. I had like a, a strain in my a sprained knee uh, a couple of weeks ago and I started saying it and that went away. Like, obviously I'm doing the work too. Like I go to physio, but that whole connection is, is really interesting. Um, yeah. So to answer your question is, is all those things. Yeah. Is that there's that soul body connection. It's that realization that we're, we're getting up there, man. And father time is undefeated and you got to change up what you do to, to stay relevant and to stay, you know, effective. For real, and I guess that that COVID part is just um, that growth mindset, um, and always trying to take that time to kind of see where where can we better. I really liked what you said before about that one percent, like continuously evolving, continuously getting better. It's not about that ultimate destination, but am I better today than I was yesterday? Even if it's like zero point zero zero one percent, you know, yeah. even take it to the next level. But I completely connected to that one percent. It's huge. That yeah. mentality is, is amazing, yeah. Shout out shout out to my homie, uh, Kimchi, for that quote. Yeah. Nice. And while we're talking about homies, uh, the homie Steph, you remember him? Yeah, we're... He wanted me to shout out his fry bread. Nice, man. Have you ever tried <laughs> fry bread before? Uh, I think I got to come to East Van. I remember trying all these things whenever we come out there. Yeah. Uh, what was it, like ostrich burger and all this stuff? I remember we would... <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> Where was that? In that California? was Vancouver. Oh my God, Skyline. Oh no, we didn't bring you there. <laughs> Where would we go? We'd go in East Van. We'd go to uh, Flowers, yeah. right? Huh? Right. We'd go Ooh. to what's Flowers. Right? Am I right? Yeah. I that's a, now, that's right? a hidden gem, man. Right. Yeah, so I guess I'd, I'd kind of turn that question back to you, like, same thing. Like, how how do you notice that the effect of, like, I guess, age and COVID and the type of things as you're getting back to it that you're doing differently now? Uh, for me, I definitely have been working on my shot a lot. Uh, for mm-hmm. about three or four years now, I've been, like, dissecting it. Um, I finally started doing reps. Uh, I never did that as a kid. I was always an athletic kid. So I would just, uh, you know, try to jump over people and, right. <laughs> you know, shoot my, my 12 and 24. Um, but now, yeah, uh, kids are coming up. They're way faster, getting a little stronger. So I got to change my game. I always think about, uh, you know, players in the NBA who really aged well. Uh, like Ray Allen, for instance, was right. his shuttles worth beforehand, dunking on people. Right. You know, all going the hoop, but then in later in his career, he he moved over to shooting and spot up shooting and actually, you know, almost saved saved LeBron a ring there, right? So right. I really that's that's amazing, man. He changed his game mm-hmm. after, after getting all that work in and making the NBA. He that's almost right. two players in one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people realize like how Whoever knows Ray Allen, whoever knows, you know, the basketball world, he's, he's yeah. probably one of the greatest shooters of all time. I think him, Reggie Miller, and Steph Curry are the top three right now, with Steph being number one. But uh, whoever yeah. doesn't know, Ray Allen was a beast coming in. Like, he would oh, be dunking on geez. people one-on-one, like, break people down off the dribble. Like, no one could guard him. He yeah. was one of those, like, Grand Hill, Michael Jordan-type guys that everyone was afraid of. Yeah, he got so game. True. Right, right? Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, and it's so true to kind of like mid-career take that on and, and change it up. I yeah. guess uh, what's that process like for you when when you take it to that mental side of like now I gotta I guess let go a little bit of of who I was beforehand, like the athletic type of poster maker, you know what I mean, pin down blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, now I gotta change it up. Like, what's that process like? What do you gotta let go of to uh, to change that up? I know I've I've had a similar thing as well. I mean, I'm still dunking a little bit, right? <laughs> but um, I do take a lot of pride in you know hitting threes nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. I've really been working on that. Deep threes are are, mm-hmm. are pretty spectacular from in in regards to how I feel after making a play. It feels good, mm-hmm. you know, hitting a deep three or you know, a knockdown three, that's that's nice. And it, it suits these days, this this day and age's game. Everybody right. needs a three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of seems like it's like different things hype you up, like as you get older. Would it be like an M1 poster dunk when you're younger and now yeah. it's like a deep three or even like a nice dime? Definitely. Um, it's funny how like our perspective changes, right? Or the good old up and under. That's a that's oh, fine. Yeah. Do that. I, I think I copyrighted the up and under between 2006 and 2010 in, in high school basketball in BC, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think no one could touch it. Yeah. I would do it like seven times a half. I was like, Damn, man. I couldn't stand the post back then, bro. <laughs> so now you know, you've, you've, you've come around, you've realized about that post life. Oh, I've realized about it. I haven't, I haven't put it to work. <laughs> I haven't done it. No. <laughs> I haven't done anything with it. Too loud, man. <laughs> 
I'll guard the post, but I'm not. I'm not playing back to the basket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can I can relate to what you're saying, man. About like developing, like for for me for sure too. Like with my back injuries and stuff like that, like driving less, putting myself. For me, it was more like like just dirty players. Like I didn't want to put myself in a position in yeah. midair mm-hmm. to have my health be in someone else's hands and or the ref's hands or whatever. So I just I became like like a Lamarcus Aldridge, like mid range specialist. Like no one. It's, I, I think I shoot a higher percentage from mid-range than I do from layups. Um, yeah. And that just came with age, right? Um, and, yeah, and uh, I, I guess I wanted I wanted to talk more about that self-doubt. Like, where, where did that meet you in, uh, in your playing career? Where did you find that with uh, university or with the pros? Where did that kind of catch you? As oh, a um, it must have started in, in university. It's tough, you know, going from being – uh, the best player or one of the best players to jumping up like to in high school. Yeah. Jumping up to a mm-hmm. CIS environment where right. uh, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to be either a red shirt or coming off the bench. Um, right. And that's like, Whoa, what the heck? And then, uh, yeah, it, it went on to pro as well. I played in the NBL and there's about seven guys who are American on a team and then four guys who are Canadian. And pretty much in the whole league, one Canadian might play a bit, but it's usually the seven Americans that play. Really? So that was that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Um, mm-hmm. Like you say, with pro, you can just – you can have a good year or you can not have a good year. Sometimes teams don't click. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely uh, – it makes you rethink your love of the game and – how you like mm. playing it. Um, I really enjoy having the ball in my hands. Um, mm. Being a spectator on the sideline isn't really my bag. Uh, right. Even if you're getting paid for it, right? It's not really about the money for me. Um, it's more about, you know, uh, expressing myself in an athletic way um, on mm. the basketball court, right? So how would you deal with that? How would you deal with that change, like, from from – let's talk about maybe in university from be, from like a star player where, you know, everything's on your shoulders and you get to dictate and control such a large part of the game to all of a sudden having to be on a squad where maybe eight out of the 12 guys were in similar situations beforehand and now we're all on the, on the yeah. same team trying to make it work. Um, I, to be honest, I just keep playing. Uh, whatever mm-hmm. league that'll take me, um, I, just, I just love hooping. I tried to join uh, a competitive league in round ball, uh, but they denied me. <laughs> they said, no, <laughs> you're not. The application. You know, you're not <laughs> the elite league. So I said, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but definitely there's, there's places out there you can hoop. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, that's the most important, actually playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess – after self-doubt, I want to touch on, like, injuries. Um, and I think similar to COVID, where you find yourself kind of at home, you know, you'd have times throughout your career where you have a major injury. Like, I can speak for myself. I had uh, had ankle surgery, like, in, like, grade 10, where I sat out a year. I had a herniated disc wow. uh, before grade 12, where I sat out, like, eight months. And just that time at home, like, uh, maybe take me through that. How how did you deal with that throughout your career or, or during this last little while where it's very similar, like you said, where you're away from ball, you're away from training, you're away from that. How do you manage that? Um, yeah, I've, I've always had like a couple knee injuries, couple ankle injuries. 
But I noticed when I did put on that weight, the knee injuries and ankle injuries were way more severe. Mm -hmm. It was really tough. You know, a lot of lot of weight on my on my right knee. Did a Euro step and wow, that was a lot of pain. <laughs> Try to finish the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's when I uh, I realized that I had to had to change it up a little bit if I wanted to keep pooping at, at mm -hmm. that level. So what'd you do? What'd you end up doing with that? Um, first I had to rest quite a bit. Um, then I did a lot of ice. I've been hitting Tiger Bomb pretty heavy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a couple creams I use as well. Um, massage, massage is very important. Um, yeah, but rest is also, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the last thing I want to touch on is um, with like when we're in that space of we got all this time off, um, we talked about a little bit before the difference between like rest and self-indulgement, mm -hmm. uh, that, that fine line. I've experienced it too throughout COVID. Um, my battle with it maybe is a little bit different and, and we can share about that after, but uh, I'd like to hear from you kind of how you manage that, that line between, um, between resting and, and recovering to self-indulging and maybe doing yourself harm with that time alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was in a spot where I was eating, you know, three full, full meals every day, mm -hmm. um, and, and not moving, you know, just being very lethargic if it wasn't the cup mm -hmm. bed, right? Um, you know, watching a lot, of, a lot of shows and, uh, yeah, it was, it was real tough. Um, but yeah, sh shout out to the people who, who give us spaces to, uh, do be active and, and right. do it around. Um, we got a guy out here named Hemi. He's running these ruthless runs. I don't know if you've seen them, but. Mm -hmm. um, it's just dope to see all these guys come out. Yeah, like 20 guys a night. Um, everybody gets a highlight. He's doing highlights for everybody. That's it. You know, everybody's getting in their bag. Everybody's got moves. Uh, everybody can play, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that about basketball. Mm -hmm. I really do. Yeah. What would you tell people that find themselves like in that spot at home? Like, what could they do? to uh to get themselves going a little bit and, and break that habit of just sitting around and yeah. self-indulging definitely just holler at your homies man um mm -hmm. homies, uh will and kimchi we always will play uh 21 under the bridge um mm -hmm. yeah we were hitting up david lamb quite a bit and uh mm -hmm. when you go out sometimes somebody might be you know there might be three people over there three people over there you could play four on four um and right, it out, right? um yeah, just just getting out and doing it is is pretty important. Mm -hmm. Right important for guys like us, I I assume for sure. I guess yeah, like what I'm hearing that is just take action. Like don't just sit around and expect anything to change. Like call up a friend, call mm -hmm. up like a healthy environment that could push you to to get yourself going and and have that be your be your motivator, right? Um, yeah. And like you said, you can you can get a physical workout. You can build it out of anything. If you get a couple guys over here, a couple guys over here, all of a sudden that competitive aspect is not as important and you just want to, you know, get your body moving and get that stuff done. Yeah. Um, um, I guess the last uh, two, two questions we always end up on is um, the first one is, is how do you define success? Oh, how do I define success? Yeah. Ah, for me, um, 
Success? Ah, define. That's a good question, my friend. Um, I would have to say uh, someone's uh, happiness and comfortability. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that people want in life, um, but finding a space that makes you comfortable, um, mm -hmm. I think that's that's definitely definitely up there. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that? Like, what what do you mean? Because I think it's really beautiful. Like, how can you take that like on a on a little bit of a deeper level? Like that comfortable space. I feel I feel there's a lot of people out there who are you know working their butt off um, for these uh, certain things that they think they need, um, mm -hmm. but in reality, uh, if if you can strive to be comfortable and happy with yourself, I think uh, everyone else will be happy with you and comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, like if, if if someone's walking their dog and they see you and they are uncomfortable their dog is going to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, if, if if they are real comfortable then everybody's going to be comfortable and I, that'll help that'll help it out um there's definitely a fine line as we we've, we've spoken on of getting too comfortable <laughs> um, right. where where you don't uh you don't want to be there um mm -hmm. but yeah i think uh you know, finding a, a good place for yourself is, is very important in life. Mm, I like that, man. I like that definition. Like, like my head uh, being ultra, like performance oriented and like school of performance and all that, it, mm. it, it automatically went to like that 1% stuff we said before, like being 1% better, being better than yesterday. But, but man, like you really, you really, you really caught me off guard there. Like, um, <laughs> That, that whole different perspective it's it's yeah. what i hear in that is like self accept self-acceptance mm -hmm. like when like when we truly accept ourselves like just the way we are and just the way we're not and maybe our situation in life in that moment um like that's success because that's mm -hmm. like ultimate happiness yeah and that's, that's huge awesome. yeah that's really big and that's huge. i think i think coaching and of course living this long <laughs> has uh has garnered me a little more insight um on the the different people the difference people can have on each other mm -hmm. you know? um you can have one kid that doesn't win a game you know the whole day mm -hmm. they gotta be comfortable too right and they gotta they gotta have some sort of success as well and right. uh, just yeah just measuring it with the with the best of the best is is not always the way Right, like taking away that competitive aspect is what I'm hearing. And what yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, like winning and losing is fun and all, but uh, at the end of the day, it's not the bigger thing, right? Like the biggest thing is is our happiness, our self being, our self acceptance, mm -hmm. the way we affect the people around us. Like you said, like that those, that difference we can make, and how much you've noticed it, man. I've, I've definitely I can relate to that. Like that's huge. Yeah, I've, I had one of my friends. Uh, he coaches out here. He was on. He's a sports psychologist now. Um, he said a great quote about uh, at the end of the day, winning or losing is the same thing. 
and it sounds it sounds crazy you know what i mean like to us <laughs> you know competitive athletes is like what do you mean like how could that be but at the end of the day, when you're losing the same thing, like that's informative and that's informative. That's learning and that's learning. Yeah. It depends where we take it. Like, do we focus on the negative aspect and what we've done wrong? Or do we focus on the positive aspect and what we can improve on and what can we get better at and, and what have we done good? Um, and that that way you can affect the most lives. That way you can affect the most people. Um, that's cool, man. That's comedy. Yeah. It's, I like that. It's like, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad we touched on that, man. Just that like self-acceptance and all that. That's huge. And I guess the last thing I always ask, the last thing we always uh, kind of end on is um, if you could catch Demi at maybe at, like BC Games or in high school or in college or at one of those like beginnings of uh, beginning stages, what would you kind of, if you could pull him aside and kind of whisper in his ear like a couple of insights that would that would help him out a lot uh, that would help him a lot throughout along the way uh what would you kind of tell him do your sats <laughs> go do one <laughs> go do one yeah you think uh, so? Is that like yeah i i, I definitely should have gone to the states to play um mm -hmm. out of high school um I think that would have uh, changed my trajectory a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know why I didn't do them. I saw the book, mm -hmm. <laughs> I looked at it, um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't go for that part. Um, mm -hmm. What else would I say? Uh, yeah, I would also say be way more patient, um, mm -hmm. especially when the times got tough. Um, I see. I have seen a lot of players who. Uh, remember that that switch we talked about going from you know maybe high school to uh, university, university to pro. Um, I've seen a lot of players go up to a level and you know ride it out for a couple years as maybe a lower level player and go up. Even coming from grade eight to grade twelve, or maybe a grade ten on a grade twelve team, uh, working their way up and becoming um, the top of that league, um, I would have been like, hey. Be a little more patient, grind it up a couple more years with, with uh, you know, whatever happened. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you might have had a better, better result. Mm -hmm. Like good things come to those who wait. Like grind it out, do your work, kind of yeah. Yeah. hash it out, and, and good things will come. Yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, a success-driven ideology. Like if I could have been uh, – any higher in basketball, that's where I would have probably changed mm -hmm. my career. Um, that's not to say that I'm not very uh, proud of myself and mm -hmm. uh, happy with what sure. I've done as a player um, and all my teammates and coaches that I've ever had. I'm very, very proud and uh, mm -hmm. humbled by the, the, the power they've given me um, that mm -hmm. I have, which is to pass it on to the next generation and teach what I've learned um, by so many great, great basketball mm -hmm. minds. That's huge, man. No, you definitely got a lot to be proud of. And I know from personal experience, man, and, and getting to experience you as a person, I know my dad loves you. We always joke around about it, but it just kind of speaks to, it, to oh, your character and, and who you are as a person. And yeah. I know so many people that, that when they see you, it just puts, you know, they're, they're automatically more positive and more optimistic about whatever was going on in their lives in that moment. And You're so kind, I, right? I, 
and I can't say that a lot of, about a lot of people, you know, I mean, that that whatever situation that yeah. they step into, the environment is, is automatically, you know, more positive and, and uh, you have that influence. And I'm sure you influence, you know, the kids you work with and, and the players you play with and, and all the people that are around you. Um, we do have a good time. What's that? We do have a good time. Yeah, man, for sure. So <laughs> yeah. I want to I wanna acknowledge you for that, man. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. I'm glad we got to do it. Um, hopefully I make it out there in the summer. I know I've been talking to uh, like Zeons and, and Connor yeah. and a bunch of guys, maybe through here, maybe through, through the phone um, about catching up. And uh, I think we'll do, uh, we'll do a little uh, charity game uh, when we get back at one of the beaches. We'll get everyone back from college together and just play a little bit and uh, hopefully get some cute. donations. Yeah, maybe for Queen Keith's Foundation or something like that. We'll set it up and uh, just to see everyone and catch up. So uh, yeah. I think that'll be a good time. Uh, let's see. I still see uh, Dan Evans. I still see him around. Um, mm -hmm. I see him just outside on Yale Town. Mm -hmm. uh, who else do I see? That's about it. It's such a small world, eh? Like, like Vancouver being so big. But yeah, who's that? I seen Ashton. Yeah, nice. Jack, good guy. Yeah, he played with us. Yeah, always been Jack. I think that dude was born Jack. Uh, he's Jack now. <laughs> I remember throughout college, he'd say uh, he never he, he never eats vegetables, and this dude just puts the he puts the myth to the to the test of like you got to eat healthy to, to look like that. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No man, I acknowledge you. It's been a blast. Uh, hopefully, we do it again sometime. Hopefully, I'll see you in person soon. And uh, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate Stay it. Thanks. Oh, and remember, when you get that thing, make sure that you shoot that thing. Hundred <laughs> percent. We'll put that in the comments, man. In bold letters. That's dope. All right. That's the way to end it off. Adios, brother. Good to see you, man. Have a good night. Later, guys. That's all for this episode of School Performance. Thank you for joining us all the way to the end. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you took something from this conversation into your own lives, I urge you to share this episode with one or two people, with your followers, or with anyone that this episode can add value to. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the next episode of School of Performance.